0: Welcome to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 20, yes, 2-0 of the podcast. It has been a fun time interviewing fans, beat writers along the way. 20 episodes in the book, or 20 episodes going to be in the book after this. Today we're going to talk about the Niners and Saints game coming up, a season on the line. The massive amount of injuries this team is facing, including... Is this the end of Jaquisky Tart in San Francisco? On top of that, we are going to talk about Richard Sherman's return and the dangerous position the 49ers find themselves in. With all that said, let us jump into the show today and let's talk about Jaquisky Tart. Um, so the injury report so far is Jaquisky Tart has been placed on IR, effectively ending his season... Um, or possibly ending his season with Turf Toe. Debo Samuel will not practice today, being Wednesday, but will be reevaluated tomorrow, that being Thursday, and likely will not play this Sunday against the Saints. Richard Sherman did practice today, again, that being Wednesday, uh, and has a chance he is questionable in regards to playing Sunday versus the Saints, but is not likely to. We will dive into Tart and Sherman's uh, status. Uh, Raheem Mostert will not practice this week and will not play this week. Going to give him this week and the bye week to get himself right. And hopefully come back versus the Rams. Then k1 Williams will be out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Uh, the team cannot place him on IR again and expect him to return this season. So they're trying to kind of wait it out and see where they're at with him in regards to seeing if he can play through the injury or seeing if rehab and rest can keep him available for late in the year because if he does go on ir his season is also done um but it's interesting you look at just the injury report alone tarts on his last year of his contract sherman on the last year of his contract and k1 williams on the last year of the, uh, on his contract so it could be kind of a messy off season we all know what kind of that entails of 21 uh key free agents it could be a lot of pieces moving, but uh, not good news for Tart and Williams, who are in their contract year. Uh, and that's where we're going to start today. Actually, is Jaquiski Tart. Now we all know that we love Jaquiski Tart in San Francisco, right? Uh, he he's phenomenal in guarding tight ends, uh, and when he's healthy, I, I wouldn't call him a top ten safety, of course not, but he's one of the better physical presence when it comes to the safety position on the field. He's a former second-round draft pick in 2015, uh, and he has played for this Niners team for almost five years, this being his fifth year. Um, But he, he has struggled to stay healthy in his tenure in San Francisco, and now he's seeing the same thing again. And with him, in the last year of his deal, and with him being a player that usually doesn't get interceptions, usually doesn't get turnovers, uh, he has a pretty good chance of not being here next year. And I think with the turf toe, we may have possibly seen the last of Jaquiski Tart in San Francisco. Now, let's look at the bigger picture here. We may have seen the last of D Ford. We are, have already seen the last of Quan Alexander. We could see the last of k1 Williams, Richard Sherman, although Sherman should come back in two weeks, if not this week, but this season could be his last. Then you might... Add into that, maybe Trent Williams, he'll probably return, but still, in his last year of his deal. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. Um, There are plenty of other guys to look at. Uh, Dante Pettis is now gone. Akela Witherspoon could be gone. Like, we're looking at massive turnover. Western Richburg could be gone. Like, this team could see massive turnover in the offseason, and and we've already kind of seen that start to happen with Quan Alexander being traded, with Dante Pettis being cut. Now, granted, those moves were moves that maybe at least myself, I liked, and said, okay, Pettis was kind of a waste of space. Granted, the injuries that happened against the Packers and the COVID protocol kind of made me wish he was still there just to have a body. But again, he was a waste of roster space, and the only time he touched the ball, it seemed to be, oh, God, this guy has the ball again, or he's not getting open, or whatever. And then Quan was a, and we kind of already talked about this last week with Leo Luna, but it was a, a huge salary dump, get off the contract, uh, it sucks to lose him. And we talked about the impact of losing someone like that in the locker room, uh, because Niner, uh, Niner players did speak out and were kind of like, really? You got rid of our defensive captain? Or, or someone we hold to that high of a regard? Uh, but getting back to the main point here is that, you know we could have seen the last of Jaquisky Tart versus the Packers. And it's very fitting that that is the way it goes. Because he came into San Francisco, out of Sanford, and he's a second-round pick. You're expecting him to be something uh, of, not a stopgap, but a solid safety. Um, he came in and was not expected to be this, you know, all-pro guy, but he had shown potential. Uh, he had shown the ability to uh, have kind of this this higher-end talent to him, but the injuries continually got to him. He could barely stay healthy. Uh, And last season, this kind of goes into the overarching theme of 2020. 2019 seems to be somewhat of an anomaly, not for the team, but for a lot of players on the team. Jimmy Ward, D. Ford, Quan Alexander, uh, maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Drew Kresge-Tart. Like, a lot of these guys who we valued last year, we're seeing now that even in their success last season... They are players you can write off and say, okay, we can find someone better. Now, going against the Saints this week, that is, these are the matchups where I say, I wish I had a guy like Jaquisky Tart," because he is so valuable in guarding tight ends. He is so valuable when guarding a Jared Cook. We saw last year when San Francisco went to New Orleans and played the Saints. Marcel Harris could not guard Jared Cook. Once Tart was gone and he, he didn't suit up, they were awful. And r- until Cook got hurt, uh, the the Saints were going to win that game by twenty plus points. It was going to be a bloodbath, or, or at least be like a you know a forty two to 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 twenty one to twenty eight kind of game. Like they were up. Let's not forget they were up two touchdowns because Jared Cook had two touchdowns in the first quarter. They were marching up and down the field against us. Um, so, these are the games where I say I wish I had Jaquiski Tart. but looking at it from a, a, an entire perspective here, Tart only has 24 tackles this year, only four assists, only one interception. If you are a team, and this is why a lot of people, including Grant Cohn, who we talked about on here, and even a lot of people out there, maybe including yourself, said, we need to get Jamal Adams. Now, we've seen how that is gone. He, the, the defense is worse with him on the field. They give up more yards with him on the field. And so the Niners kind of find themselves in this position where Tart has only played seven games this year. He missed week seven uh, against the Patriots, and he missed week eight against the Seahawks. But other than that, he really hasn't done much. He only played 53% of the snaps in the Rams game, which is where he got hurt the first time. Uh, and, and he really hasn't done much for this team when it comes to getting the defense off the field. And what I mean by that, that doesn't mean laying a hard hit, forcing a fumble. He just hasn't done much this season. And even looking at his career stats, from 2015, only four interceptions. Now again, for a player you're expecting, or you have high enough hopes to be a solid starter, that's not going to cut it. For a player who is a second-round pick, and you're paying or expected to pay, if you re-sign him, above $9 million, that's not going to cut it. Only has two forced fumbles in his entire career. And he has two recoveries, only four sacks. Like, he has done, other than keep the play in front of him, nothing. Now, if that's what you want out of your safety, that's fine. But when you look at the offenses in the NFL, it is, we're getting to a point where the NFL is becoming like the MLB, where players are saying, it's home run or nothing. And in this NFL, when you're playing teams like the Chiefs, playing teams like the Steelers or the Seahawks or the Cardinals, who have really good receiving cores and quarterbacks, who are not afraid to sling the ball 20, 30, 40, maybe even 60 yards down the field, and even the Rams who have a really good receiving core too, like you cannot have defensive players like that. You have to have players... Who are willing to go up and get the ball and bring it back for you, and that's been my biggest knock on Tart and even Jimmy Ward. Tavarius Moore should be starting instead of Jimmy Ward now because Tart's out. Do you want to move Ward over or put Moore in his place? That's fine, but Tavarius Moore needs to be on the field, whether it is for Whiskey Tart or whether it is for Jimmy Ward. He has no reason not to be. He's a ball hawking style of safety, and in this league. And it, especially in 2020, when the offense can't get much going, the defense, albeit a, still a top 10 defense without Nick Bosa, without D Ford, without half the, half the secondary for almost the entire season, they have shown up every single Sunday, besides getting the ball back. Like, besides Fred Warner, can you name me any, and maybe Jason Verrett's pick against the Rams? Those are only three interceptions, one against the Giants, one against the Patriots, and one against the Rams that I look at and go, this team gets turnovers. Now, granted, those were big turnovers during that time. But it's not like they're getting them against Seattle when they need them. They're not getting them against Green Bay when they need them. Now, I get it. It's a... 2020 has been a a disaster. And it's hard to kind of put a finger on who this team is in 2020. It's hard to even judge Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the rest of the entire team because of 2020. But again, in 2020... We have to look at what we have and, and decide if it's good enough for us going into the future. And you know, this has been my biggest knock on the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation is, well, let him get healthy. Let him you know, have the healthy team around him and get chemistry. And it may be hypocritical of me to say this. But because I've only seen the healthy Jimmy Garoppolo one time, and he was really darn good, that was really a southern thing of me to say, but really good in 2019, and granted hurt in 2017 uh, while he was in New England, then got healthy and came to us. Hurt in 2018, now hurt again. I understand the knocks on his health, but we know who Jaquisky Tard is when he's healthy, and it's not a top 10 safety. We know who Jimmy Ward is when he's healthy, and it's not a top 10 safety. And, and unless he's deciding to take 4 mil or take a deal similar to Jimmy Ward's, he's not worth keeping around. And I would even go as far to say, even if he decides to take a deal like that, I would not bring him back. You can find a fourth-round pick that does just as much as your tart for this team. That's just as physical, that can actually get you the ball back and possibly improve this team. With a secondary of maybe Sherman, Kayron Williams, Mosley, and Verrett next year... You need someone who can take the ball away from a Tyreek Hill, from a DeAndre Hopkins, from a DK Metcalf. Like, we have to get the ball back, especially if this team is going to ride with a rookie quarterback, which that seems really likely. And that gets me to my next point. The Niners are in a very dangerous situation. Because on one hand, and I think I fall in both camps here, and I want to explain what I mean on one hand there are fans clamoring for a new quarterback there are fans saying i want zach wilson uh leo luna said mac jones might be the guy to look out for uh people are saying trade lance we're not going to get justin fields i don't care how many times you ask we're not going to get him unless something crazy happens and we only win four games this year um and we're not going to get trevor lawrence unless he doesn't come out this year which he probably will uh, at Clemson. Which again, he is going to be the number one pick. We're not going to get him, and so the kind of the the zone San Francisco seems to be in is Trey Lance to Mac Jones. Those are the guys that uh, we that the consensus seems to be uh, Jones, Wilson, and Lance. But again, the, the 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 situation they're in is San Francisco probably will not win this Sunday against the Saints. They just won't. But then they have a bye week, and then they're going to get Moster back. Samuel should be back. Sherman, 90% will be back. Like, you're going to start getting guys healthy again. We don't know if D4 comes back. I've heard he's done. You've heard it too. I've said it here plenty of times. But there still is a chance he decides to gut it out for a week or two if this team is in a playoff run or, 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 or their playoff hopes are still alive. But again this team is in a dangerous place because if they beat the Rams, which they already have this year, and many of you said it wasn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo, if Nick Mullins can do what Jimmy Garoppolo did and the defense can hold up and they will be healthier, they could easily beat the Rams. Okay, that's... They would be 5-6 and six at that point if they do lose to, to to the Saints. Then they lose, or then they beat the Cowboys. Then they're 6-6. Six and six. Or... or, or Six and six. Then they beat the oh, I guess the Washington football team. Then they're seven and six, and we're saying okay. Now you have the Bills, or and this wasn't this not in order, but but you have to play the Bills, uh, the Seahawks, and Cardinals. Like there are three winnable games in the remainder of their schedule, that would get them to seven wins. But they could be in a position where they are seven and seven maybe even 8-6 and six at a certain point this season. Now, again, will that happen? I don't know. And if Seattle is resting guys in Week 17, if they're 15-2, oh, that wouldn't make sense, but if they're 14-2, or they're 13-3, and, and they're already the number one seed, they have no reason to play their guys. They're not going to do it. So San Francisco could possibly have four more games they can win if the context of the other team goes in their favor, which it very easily could. So San Francisco could be staring at 8-8, eight and eight, and possibly the eighth seed in the playoffs because the NFL added a new seed this week. So the Niners could still be a playoff team. Does that happen? I don't know. But the part I'm getting at here is that the dangerous situation we find ourselves in is that part of the fan base wants new quarterback. Part of the fan base wants to keep Garoppolo. That's fine. But the issue is here, what should this team be doing? Should they be trying to gain draft capital by losing games? I'm not saying losing on purpose. What I'm saying is, you kind of come out and you go, okay, you know, is the game really that important to win? Now, you're going to beat Dallas, you're going to beat Washington, no matter what. But a game against Seattle, a game against the Cardinals, a game against the Bills, and even a game against the Rams, which you could win, but should you win? I think that's the question I'm getting at. Should you win that game? Because if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're John Lynch and you do want a quarterback, your best bet is to lose against the Rams, to make sure you lose against the Bills. Now, what I'm not saying here is that you should be coaching to lose or playing to lose. What I am saying here is that in your best interest, if you see a guy you really want, and, like, like take the hypothetical. If San Francisco finishes 8-8, eight and eight, they're almost guaranteed to finish with the 17th to 20 to 20th pick, okay? Um, that's where they'll finish out on, depending on where they land in the playoffs and how they finish at 8-8. Eight eight. So at 16, you're telling me a team like the Giants, the Jets, the Jaguars, the football team, uh, maybe even the Cowboys, they're not going to say, hey, we need a quarterback. Of course they are. Maybe even the Bears, too, if the Bears falter, which they've been playing awful. There could be five, maybe even six or seven teams ahead of San Francisco that finish inside the top 13, 15 picks that they also need a quarterback. So my point is here, San Francisco, by playing good football, which I expect them to do, I don't expect them to be routed every single week like they were last week against the Packers, but would that be in their best interest to win? if they do indeed win a quarterback. And we know they do because, and I'm not going to tip my own horn here and go off on some tangent, because Adam Peters was reportedly in or at BYU, or or, excuse me, in Boise, watching Zach Wilson from BYU. And we reported that first on our Instagram at 49ers.access. And it's really funny how we reported on Sunday after the game, and then Matt Miller from Bleacher Report reports it, and then it goes crazy. I'm not going to toot my own horn and go crazy, but I I just want the credit for it. Because it's a really important conversation to have. I'm not out there saying, you know, I I need it. But what I'm saying here is, is that these are really important things to get right and really important conversations to have. Because if the Niners are indeed... Looking at Zach Wilson, that means they're going to look at Mac Jones. Uh, Trey Lance already played his game, but they're going to look at his tape. They're going to interview these guys. And they're going to do their due diligence on probably five to seven quarterbacks in this draft they happen to like. And if that's the case, then Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know what you do with him. Maybe you cut him, maybe you trade him. But you are not going to be in a position to draft a Zach Wilson, to draft a Trey Lance, to even draft possibly a Mac Jones, who in the latest CBS Sports mock draft is going inside the top 10. Like, the Jets are going to finish number one because they suck. The Giants aren't going to be any good. They could, don't know if they will, but they could move off of uh, the quarterback over there in Daniel Jones. The Bears aren't going to want to have Trubisky and Nick Foles next year. The Jaguars don't want Minshew and Jake Lutton, who... Who spun that defender out of his shoes last week? Great job for him, but he's not going to be there. Like, I can go down the list. Uh, Dalton's not going to be in Dallas. Dak has the injury. Who knows how those how those contract negotiations go? Uh, the football team doesn't like Alex Smith enough to be a franchise guy, and he's 36 years old. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is not going to be there next year. Him and Rivera don't get along very well. Um, so they there could even if San Francisco finishes, let's say they finish four and twelve. They win no more games. There could still be possibly five teams ahead of them still that all need quarterbacks. Now again, I don't think if they do not win another game, they're gonna finish inside the top ten and you know five teams will pick a quarterback. But there have been rumors, just like I think it was 20, 2016, where Darnold Baker, Rosen, um, and uh Josh Allen all went inside like the top twelve. Like, that could easily happen again. And Lamar Jackson went in, in, in the, the 20s and 30s and late in the first round. Like, there could be five quarterbacks picked in the first round this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if five quarterbacks go inside the top 15. And so, I guess my point here is saying is that San Francisco, if they're going to win some games, which they will, they're probably going to finish 6-10, and 7-9. They really aren't putting themselves in a position... To be able to get a Zach Wilson. Unless they trade up. And if you're going to trade up for a quarterback. You are going to need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. That is as simple as it gets. You want a franchise quarterback. Like a Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or Mac Jones. You are going to have to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Which then gets you to my next point. This offseason is going to be crazy. Garoppolo could be gone, Sherman could be gone, Tark could be gone, who we already talked about, Kwan Williams could be gone. I've already kind of laid out all the guys that could be gone earlier in this podcast. But let's focus on Sherman for one second. So Sherman wants to come back. He said today that I think I could possibly be back against the Saints. Shanahan said I, I've learned not to bet against him, uh, but it's not optimistic to a certain point. Um, He says he's working his way back, but I think it would be smart to hold these guys out because the Saints are coming off their best win of the season. They annihilated Tom Brady and the Bucs. They had three points the entire game with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and Tom Brady. They couldn't score anything against that defense, and the Saints defense isn't awful. But the, the Saints' offense was phenomenal. Drew Brees looked the best he's looked all season. Michael Thomas was back. Manuel Sanders had a touchdown. Like, they looked like a, a, a fully functioning uh, machine. Alvin Kamara looked great. The offensive line played well. And they seemed to be hitting their stride at the worst possible point for San Francisco. And I feel like we said that all, all, all year almost. <laughs> Especially for this team. Um... But what is the point of bringing back a Raheem Mostert who thankfully will not play this Sunday, but of bringing back a Richard Sherman or or, or rushing back someone like Debo Samuel? There's no point of rushing back anybody because you're not going to win on Sunday. You're just not. The Saints team is playing well. They're playing their best football at the worst possible time for San Francisco. And at the end of Sunday, the Saints should be winning their division. And the Niners will be 4-6. and six. We don't need to be in these games. These are games we have no business being in. Now again, could we be in this game in the third quarter? Of course we can. I thought we'd be, we would be in this Packers game last Thursday, where we got killed, in the third quarter, then things fall apart. I'm okay with that. My point is, why rush somebody back, like a Sherman, who's in a contract year, who's 33 years old, who has an injury that is a calf injury related closely enough to his Achilles, which was the issue for him all season. The reason why he was held out the the, the other eight weeks of the year was because of the Achilles injury. They didn't want him to re-aggravate it. They didn't want the calf injury to affect the Achilles enough for him to possibly tear it or strain it, which he already did a few years ago, and he had already strained it this season. So my, 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 my main point is... There is no need to rush guys back. Because, go back to the Patriots game. Fourth quarter, uh, we're ahead like 33-3, and our entire starting roster is still out there. Debo Samuel's in the backfield, hikes the ball, runs to the sideline, has a hamstring strain. If you were like me, you were saying, hey, why? Why are the starters out there? Why is Garoppolo playing? Why is Debo out there, who you just got back a few weeks ago? who has noticeably been the most important part of the offense, who Kyle Shanahan has admitted is really hard to scheme when he's not in the game. Why is he out there? Again, go back to Sherman. What is the point of rushing Sherman back when he is your best cornerback, when he is extremely valuable to this team, especially with no Quan Alexander? Sherman brings that fire. Sherman is that steady hand. Especially with no DeForest Buckner, who Niner fans seem to go crazy about this because he spoke out against the team and saying that I thought they'd meet me halfway and they didn't. When you lose Buckner in the offseason, you trade away Quan, Richard Sherman, for the amount of time you have left, that being seven weeks of him, if he does not come back, is extremely valuable to this team, just leadership-wise, having on the field. Now, we already know this, but... Not having Quan now, and especially not having Buckner this year in 2020, which has been the craziest year ever. <laughs> we 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 know what happened last week with the election, and now things are getting locked down again. And that isn't what we're going to go into obviously, but this year's been crazy. It's been up and down, a roller coaster year. And I don't want to say protecting Sherman is the most important thing to do for this team, but it is a pretty important thing to do when you do lose leadership and choose to trade them away. So we have to protect Richard Sherman to a certain extent. So let's get into this Saints game. Because the Niners are 4-6. and six. Uh, Saints, I don't even if you going to say the record because they're just too freaking good. Let's not, it's, it's not even worry about that. Let's talk about the game itself. Let's just go down positional-wise. Nick Mullins or Drew Brees? Well, I think I'll take Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara or Jermichael Hasty, Derek McKinnon, uh, and, and those guys. I'm going to take Alvin Kamara. The offensive line, well, Trent Williams is back. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have Brunskill playing center or Gross, who's back. Uh, I really don't know what's going on there because Gross who didn't play against the Packers, in which, because he played so bad against Seattle. So we'll have to figure that out when things come along. But let's be under the assumption it was last week's starting uh, offensive line against the Saints. I'm going to pick the Saints other than Trent Williams. Now go to the receivers. Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Trey smith against Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, and who else? River Craycraft, Trent Taylor. Now again, they don't have Debo Samuel, so I'm going to obviously pick the Saints. Tight end, Jared Cook, Jordan Reed, who he's a good tight end, a tight end number two in my eyes, if he's healthy, or Ross Dwelly, whoever they want to play there. I'm going to pick Jared Cook. Well, that's the entire offense, and I'm giving literally all of it to the Saints. Now look at the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line. Well, Cameron Jordan, uh, that's pass rusher, obviously. Uh, and you can go down the entire way and look at the Niners' offen- uh defensive line. Kerry Hyder's had a pretty good year, but he, he hasn't been you know phenomenal. Um, Eric Armstead's been kind of quiet this year. And and time out for a second, can we stop giving Eric Armstead hate? What is the point? Yes, you compare him to Buckner. He is making less money than Buckner with no Nick Bosa, with no D Ford, with a secondary who's been hurt all season, with an offense who cannot stay on the field for more than six, seven plays when they're not healthy. Give him time. He'll be okay. We'll be okay. Let's get healthy for next year. You can judge everybody when next season comes other than a few select few players, like a Tart, like a Garoppolo, like a Quan Alexander, or even a Sherman. Like, there are guys you can you can judge and say they can they can go somewhere else. But a guy who just locked up in a year where every single player's hurt, let's let's hold our horses for a second. But again, Kinlaw like like the Niners don't have the personnel to even be on the field against the Saints on the defensive line. Go to the linebackers. This is the only position you can really say San Francisco might even be equal to. And that might be blasphemous because Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL by far. But DeMario Davis is there. Uh, We just got Kiko Alonso. Now they have Quan Alexander, who I think the Niners can exploit to a certain extent. But let's not act like he's not going to be fired up. Playing against his former team. uh, He'll be at home. We're on the road traveling to them. His first game, he wants to make a statement that, hey, the money you're gonna pay me for the next you know couple years is worth it. That I wanna shell it up San Francisco's, you know what? I'm gonna make them eat their words. I wanna play my hardest, I'm gonna be the hot boys in New Orleans now, and we're gonna kill San Francisco. So I think the edge, unfortunately, because three out of or or the three linebackers they have, compared to the three we have, because Aziz Al shair who has been better this year has not been this Quan Alexander, Drake Greenlaw, step up and play guy. He's been okay, pulling a lot of coverages, looked pretty dumb at certain points. But again, the Saints have the edge. Go to the secondary. If Sherman plays in his first game back, I might be willing to say San Francisco here, but with no k K1 Williams, maybe you have Mosley in the slot, but if we're under the assumption that Sherman is not going to play, because that's what I'm under, uh, you have Verrett, uh, Mosley, uh, Akello will probably be inactive again, although he is healthy. Uh, Ken Webster, uh, maybe a Parnell Motley if they activate him. And so then you go to the safety layer, and you have Jimmy Ward, Tavarius Moore, you probably have Jonathan Cyprian, and Marcel Harris. Despite me liking Tarverius Moore and Jonathan Cyprian and even Marcel Harris to a very small extent, I'm still going to give the edge to the Saints because Marshawn Lattimore is the best cornerback on the field. If he does indeed play on Sunday, he may not. Um, you look at the safeties they have in Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. Those guys are still really good. Um, so and even Janoris Jenkins is there. Um, so there there are a lot of pieces in here, and I just ran through the entire roster off the top of my head. In almost no position is San Francisco better than New Orleans. So let's not go into this game saying we have a chance. Now, again, do we have a chance? Yes. But how small is that chance? I will give us a 5 to 10% chance to win this game on Sunday. Now, could it happen? We still have Kyle Shanahan. Robert Sala has shown his uh, ability to... Beat really good teams or scheme against good teams. He schemed very well against the Rams, albeit they're limited on offense. Um, he schemed very well against the Patriots, who they can barely beat the Jets. Um, but he schemed pretty well against the Cardinals week one, um, despite even having a healthy roster at that point. We still weren't a chance or a place to win that game. Um, so, do I think we have a chance to win? Really, I don't. But we do have a chance, just like I said last week, to be in this game late. To be in this game in the third quarter, and then maybe all hell breaks loose. Because at the end of the day, like I've already run through, the Saints are better. They have the best DVOA in the NFL. They are number one in the NFL in DVOA. That alone pretty much says they are the best team in the NFL. Now, record-wise, are they no? And they have shown the ability to play slow against young quarterbacks, against teams like the Chargers, against teams like the Raiders. There are plenty of games where they come out and they just look flat. But I don't think San Francisco has the personnel. If they had a Mostert, they had a Sherman, they had a Tart, they had a Nick Bosa, they had a Jimmy Garoppolo, they had a Debo Samuel, then we're looking at a game similar to last year. But because this year is 2020, it's been awful, it sucks, it is what it is, we had to look at this game and say, look... Let's be realistic. The chances of winning are very slim. Can we? Yes. Will we? No. And that's okay, because while I'm not saying we should be rooting for losses, I'm not necessarily sitting on the on the couch or or in the nine five seven the game studio or wherever you're watching the game uh, with with your drink in hand or or whatever you're doing. I'm not sitting there. I don't think you should be either. Saying. I'm happy we won because I'm sitting there saying I'm actually happy we lost because if indeed we are going to get a quarterback or we want to improve this team at cornerback, at uh, maybe safety, at linebacker if we need to do that, but most importantly offensive line. And if they want a guy like a Zach Wilson, if they want a guy like a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance or maybe even a Justin Fields via, via trade up, losing is the best option. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm not saying go out there and lose on purpose. But to wrap this thing all the way around again to, the, to the, the dangerous place I see them in, if you win, you win and you're happy. But if you win, you are losing a good draft spot or a better draft selection. If you lose, you're losing and it sucks. But it makes more sense because you can say, well, we have an excuse. The entire team is decimated by injuries. Our running back is out. I guess you can say three of our running backs are out. Our quarterback's out. Our receivers have been hurt. The offensive line has no chemistry. And even some of the guys are hurt. The defensive line's hurt. The entire team's hurt. You have an excuse to lose. This is the time. I'm not saying tank, but if you're going to take losing and use it to your advantage, 2020 is the perfect year to do so. Let's re-ramp up for 2021. Don't give up on the season. Do not give up. I'm not saying lose. I'm just saying this is the year. If you're going to ramp up for 2021, revamp the roster, get healthier, improve the secondary, improve the offensive line, this is the year to lose. This is the year to give yourself an easier schedule in two years, to give yourself a chance to get the quarterback you possibly want or get yourself the, the top left guard or center, shed some big contracts, Because in 2021, if you shed all these contracts, your cap hit is going to be extremely low in 2022, which means you're going to have 45 mil to play with on top of the free agents you're going to have that year. There's a lot of things to look at than just the week-to-week basis. We have to have a larger perspective here because 2020 is coming to an end in nine weeks, eight weeks, and that's technically when our real season starts, the off season, And you hate to say that, but this could be the biggest offseason in Niner history because it could lead to a franchise quarterback that gets you to uh, that sixth ring. This could lead you to your franchise right guard, left guard, safety, and maybe even a cornerback a, a to replace Richard Sherman. Like, let's not forget this. That 2020, in its disastrous ways could be the best thing that happens to this Niner team come the offseason. So let's not lose hope. Let's not lose on purpose. But let's have our eyes at the prize. And the prize is not 2020. It's 2021. Let's look ahead, move forward, and don't be upset when we lose. Say, okay, we're actually benefiting from the loss. All right, guys. I really appreciate you listening to the entire podcast. Me alone, Sterling Bennett. Uh, this week against the Saints, I'll give you my prediction. I think it'll be somewhere between 31 or 34. I'll say 31 to like 17, 31, similar to that Packers game again. Oh, it, it'll be, uh, I, I don't want to say a close game. We'll stick around, but we ultimately lose. I think it'll be 31 to 20, 31-17, uh, game over. And the headline on Monday is reinforcements are on the way. That meaning Mostert, Samuel, and, Sh- and Sherman, and hopefully maybe Tevin Coleman, and maybe you can work to get other guys back as well. We're going to be okay. Take it one week at a time, and have your eye on the prize, that being 2021. Alright guys, leading up to Sunday and the rest of the season, I need you guys to do me one thing. Technically two things. One, follow us on Instagram, 49 ersaccess and on Twitter, fordniner underscore access. And also, I need you to leave a review. Share this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. And tell every single one of your friends... That the Ford Niner Access podcast is... In my opinion, the best podcast out there for Niner News and Opinion. But again, share the podcast. This is the only way these podcasting platforms know how to rank this podcast. And if you like this podcast and you listen to it every single week, uh, please, I'm not going to beg, but I'm going to ask, to let the hard work pay off myself uh, that that I do, and the hard work you do by even listening to my annoying voice for 45 minutes a week. Uh, We're looking for big guests coming up, guys. You don't want to miss them. We'll give you updates on Instagram and Twitter when they come out. Uh, And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.